0: Today's a very special episode. We have my friend and co-writer in creating comedy gold for YouTube with hits like 16 Personalities and Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Not only is he a master at illustrating Myers-Briggs types with a twist of humor, but he's also earning a master's degree in marriage and family therapy. From the therapy room to the writing desk, Jeffrey will delve into his unique insights on relationships, the power of personality types in therapy, and what it's like to deal with my antics as a co-writer. And get ready to hear about his MBTI rap series and why certain personality types are a challenge to write for. Buckle up and let's dive in. So what specifically is the degree that you're going for? Hmm. Uh, so I am getting a
1: degree in marriage and family therapy, a uh, master's of science and marriage and family therapy.
0: So that is, so you, is the, is it possible to just get a general therapy degree? Hey, I, I can be a therapist now, or do you have to specialize in something?
1: You've got to find some kind of pathway. So, um, there are obviously many points of entry and, uh, you know, to the, to the point that I was like, hey, maybe I should just be a life coach. But I wanted something with like a little more gravitas. Um, yeah. yeah. So you can be like a social worker. You can be a licensed counselor. You can be a marriage and family therapist, psychologist. There are probably
0: a couple things in there that I've, I've overlooked. But yeah, you've got a few pathways. So fa- uh, family and marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing that this has to do more with like interpersonal... Relationships, Like, what is the focus that, like, that specialization, what does that right. focus in on?
1: Um, the way that I think about it, it really boils down to seeing things kind of in a systemic way. So I could work with an individual, but even in working with that individual, I want to be aware of, like, the social resources in their life, the social supports in their life, and also it's it kind of gets down to that like buddhist idea of interdependence like okay so you're dealing with this problem but how do the people in your life help to maintain that problem or alleviate that problem so it's just kind of thinking big picture comprehensive to really have a full picture of you know what is actually going on here and do we we can intervene at the level of the individual we can intervene at the level of like an interpersonal dyad or the family or, you know, some people kind of want to go like the community uh, advocacy in a cultural level. You know, that's usually not something that I'm too, too hyped about. But, you know, there are different options for where to intervene. And so, yeah, I do work with a lot of couples, but I also work with a lot of individuals and um, work with some kids. So it. I think I was drawn to it because of that flexibility and because to me it is like a very comprehensive uh, approach that like acknowledges the complexity of what it is to be a person.
0: So, okay, so that's interesting that it's not just like, okay, I have to see two or more people at once. You, It's about connecting what you're doing to those things. Like get, someone right. comes, theoretically, someone would be coming to you being like, I know these issues come from my family somehow or my marriage right. or whatever. Right. Okay, so what, I mean, is... Would it be if you went into practice, would it be the kind of thing where you're just like on your website? Hey, I'm open for anyone to come uh, work with me. Or would you be like, hey, hey, come to me if you have these specific kind of issues. Like, I don't even know how that works when a, mm-hmm. when you're going into practice, how you make it clear to people what you do best or if you or like ethically, what are you supposed to even say? Right. I mean. That's that's a really good
1: question, and I think it's something that I'm still figuring out to some degree. But mm-hmm. you know, I will like go out of my way to look at Psychology Today profiles of people who are already established mental health practitioners in my city, just so I can see how they're kind of framing what they do. Um, and yeah, people are usually pretty upfront. Like, I feel most competent dealing with anxiety, depression, some of the more like general things, and then other people are way more specialized and they, they work with eating disorders or, mm-hmm. you know, they work with borderline, you know, so on and so forth. So, um, I probably just knowing myself, eventually I will kind of build myself as like more of a generalist. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's still some ways away.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. You bring that up. Cause it's like, uh, you know, years ago when I was looking for a therapist, I was, you know, trying to triangulate all these things where I'd look at mm-hmm. the psychology today, Profiles, And I'd look at also like the insurance, you know, listings of doctors, which are more or less useless. And then also their own (laughs) website and see like, what is this really all about? Because on psychology today, it'll be like this person specializes in and then it'll list like everything in the DSM. And you're like, okay, (laughs) yeah, it's like, well, I, I mean, I know, you know, about all these things, but like, do you really specialize in all these things? and uh like the right. the uh therapist i ended up going with probably like i don't know what her specialist specialty is i think it was just like you know it might have even been something like uh uh trauma like something that i wasn't having to deal with but i just looked on her website and i was like i like her vibe let me go with her you know yeah. uh it's so interesting the whole picking a therapist because it's such because because you you know there's the whole therapist search you know i luckily i found mine on the first go but i know a lot of people it's like they have to go through a few to find the right one right and obviously you're still in school for it but have you started to formulate what the ideal client would look like
1: hmm When I first started, I had these highfalutin ideas that like, I want to work with people who are trying to self-actualize, people who are trying to like, quote unquote, individuate. And yeah, you know, then I got in the trenches. Yeah, exactly. You know, that was the connection for me. Um, And then I got in the trenches and, uh, you know, one of the major drawbacks and maybe blessings, it's hard to know, of being student therapist is typically, you know, you're offering services uh, at a discounted rate, meaning you're like helping people who really have a high need and who don't have other resources to kind of like help buffer them from, you know, the pains of reality. So you know, I'm not working with those. I was thinking I'm going to be working with people who are like level 99 and we're going to get to 100 through like Mm -hmm. a lot of introspection and maybe some like dream analysis, who knows. (laughs) But I I had this like particular vision that that's kind of the ideal client for me. Um, And, you know, as time's gone on and I, you know, there's like the ideal and then there's what happens when the rubber meets the road. And I am seeing that there is like a pretty high need for, Uh, a lot of therapists, even people who go into marriage and family therapy are scared to work with couples. So they might do it as like a student for their internship, but especially high conflict couples, people get really scared. And so that's one pathway that seems like not only lucrative because there's a great need for it, but also, you know, just a place where I could maybe optimally be helpful because I, at least so far have not been, uh, haven't like internalized a lot of like the anxiety and tension when I am working with couples like that. So that's one thing that I've kind of considered as, you know, an area of focus for me or like an ideal client for me.
0: Yeah. So do you, is it, I mean, obviously I know why I would want to avoid being in that situation, but what do you think it is that most people don't want to, they, they why they're afraid of getting into the couples <laughs> therapy gig Yeah. Um, Well, you know, a lot of people who
1: want to be therapists are also in their own way, like people who are wounded healers and they have their own traumas and they have their own blind spots. And I think, you know, part of that kind of as a result of that, you know, people don't like a lot of like highly emotional, highly combative situations Mm -hmm. It might kind of, you know, bring them back to their own stuff that they haven't fully worked through. And so. You know, you kind of have to pick and choose like what your your tolerance is for distress in the situations. But then there's also like legal implications, ethical implications. Are there children involved? If this couple does end up getting a divorce, then, you know, are you going to be called into court? You know, that's something that like terrifies me. I don't really ever want to have to deal with that. Oh, I never thought um, about that. Yeah, right. So like, are you going to advocate for one parent on the behalf of another or advocate for one parent? and like supportive custody for the child, you know, things like that are also highly stressful. And finally it's difficult not to, I mean, I do this too. It's difficult not to take on more responsibility than you should, you know, to do like more work than your clients are doing Mm. and to then feel somehow responsible, like, oh, it didn't work out, they are getting a divorce and maybe there was something that I could do better. So, you know, if you're going to be working with that kind of client system, then you have to be prepared for the fact that not everybody's going to make it work. And that's not really, not really your fault. You know, you're just there to be like a resource.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I do understand like what you mean there, because I think a lot of people would go into that situation and be like, I got to save these people's marriage. I got to play the hero, yeah. but it, you that's, that's not even in your control. Right. So, do you think that you so you are a uh, ENTP with a very scientific Myers Briggs system? Um, do you think that your personality type suits, like, sets you up to be particularly uh, well suited for that kind of potentially high stress environment? Hmm.
1: That's a really good question. Um, I think to a degree, yes. Um, and I think there's like a pathway for like most personality types, you know, there are different, different models, different interventions that I think are more or less compatible with different, uh, typologies and also different problems or different client bases that are, yeah. you know, depending on who you are, you know, it, it can be harder or easier. But I do think that, um, just in general, I, I notice that a lot of thinkers are actually drawn to this field. Mm -hmm. And I think that that might be counterintuitive. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm guessing at the types of a lot of my peers, but I see, I I think that's connected to some degree to this idea that, you know, I've been to therapy. I've done my own work. I know that a lot of the emotional stuff isn't intuitive to me. It doesn't like always make sense, but I think that having the FE, you know, like a little higher, a little more activated, um, you know, once I assimilate it, then I'm like, okay, cool. I know how to work with this. And now it's like this really precious thing that I've discovered that I want to then go back to the world and give to the world. So there's, there's that, like the ability to maybe remain a little bit uh, pulled back from detached from the emotional conflict, but also, you know, it's not too far out of reach for me and I've done my own work and it feels really powerful to kind of give that to someone
0: else and to create space for that healing Right, so it's like because the feeling is, is uh, not not the default, it is, it's something that you are more aware of when right. you are having to use it to sort something out.
1: Yeah, and then one other thing I'll say about being an ENTP in relation to doing therapy, um, I think... I think one thing that makes therapy effective is merely getting another perspective, like shaking up your little snow globe and introducing a little a little visual static. Um, I, you know, I think I'm really good at asking questions, and I'm really good at like saying something that might change the way that someone sees something, even slightly. That kind of like opens up the door for a new way to think about a problem, and. And this also kind of gets back to that whole systemic idea that I mentioned before, like, yeah, you can intervene with a person, you can intervene with a couple with a family, but even within the individual, there are different levels of intervention, like, you can intervene at the level of, um, like, at the somatic level by like, introducing like, meditations or forms of breathing, or you can intervene cognitively, that's what CBT is all about, right? So there are these different nested systems and I think I work really well obviously with like the more cognitive stuff just by introducing that that fresh perspective that can then like change the whole system and reconfigure what's going on
0: well and if we get into the weeds of typology you could say that it's also beneficial because it's like if you need to say something that is going to challenge someone else you've got that ti That's just like, okay, well, yeah, I'm going to use that. And maybe you'll sugarcoat it a little bit. Yeah, But it's a bit different than if an FE uh, person was trying to do that. They would really feel, I feel like an FE person really is going to feel the need to, like, put this little kernel of challenge in, like, a big package of, you know, oh, yeah, I understand your feelings, blah, 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 which might end up ultimately uh clouding the true nugget of wisdom or not even wisdom just like you know trying to change their perspective in there It it might make things like way more inefficient
1: yeah absolutely and that is one of the dangers i think of purely relying on validating as like a therapeutic technique because people kind of want to induct you into their worldview and kind of sustain the problem that they're going through. So if it's mostly focused on like, oh, that sounds really hard for you, or like, um, you know, getting kind of like a cheerleading session, then sometimes that kind of just counterproductively, ironically, sustains the problem. Because mm-hmm. it creates like a little space for like, I can vent about this and now I'm getting a little bit of validation, I'm getting a little bit of warmth, and I've I've let off steam but maybe maybe it is time for you know i'm not trying to de- to deride that approach completely but maybe this is the moment for a little more challenge or something that does shake things up
0: yeah how do you know when to make that judgment call and i'm like i'm even just wondering if someone is going on and you know they're monologuing and maybe even they fall quiet for a moment because I remember thinking back to my therapy sessions. There were a lot of times where my therapist would just kind of sit and wait. Yeah. Uh, like, how do you read that and know, like, when should I interject some something? When should I challenge them? When should I tell them to keep going? And when should I just sit back and wait?
1: I think it's a tough judgment call to make. It's a really good question. And I'm still, I'm not sure that I have it figured out. Because there have been times when I have pushed something I think at the wrong moment and I've ended up maybe damaging the relationship a little bit. So, I mean, I think part of it is that you need to do a lot of that validating and a lot of that connection building upfront, you know, maybe like the first, however many sessions, four or five sessions are really just about building that container, that sense of safety. This is a person that I feel like I can, I can, I can vent to. And then on the other end, from my perspective, that also creates, you know, enough time for me to start getting a sense of the pattern of what's going on for the person. So I can start to see like when we approach this particular conversation point, there's either like a shutdown or there's a unexpected change of topic or, you know, whatever the case may be, that kind of helps me begin to like build that roadmap of like, okay, here's where like the, the trigger spots are and... You know, how how much are they deflecting? I, I tend to think that the things that people are trying to avoid in therapy are the are the places that you want to go, even if it seems like it's kind of unrelated to the problem. But sometimes you kind of have to take like a circular path to getting there. So, yeah, it's really about, yeah, about taking time testing the waters, seeing what sticks, seeing what's getting deflected and maybe easing towards the deflection points. Once you've built that relationship and they know that they can lean on you and they know that you kind of want what's in their best interest.
0: Yeah. And, you know, talking about noticing the patterns has knowing the framework of personality types Mm -hmm. helped you in, uh, in dealing with clients. It has helped me minimally,
1: Yeah, (laughs) like I can make sense of certain things that I'm seeing in typological terms, but um, I think part of the problem with the kind of program that I'm doing, so it's a two year program, but I'm being thrown in the deep end. I was doing therapy the first month of Mm -hmm. being in the program. And so, you know, it's very experiential, you're learning as you go there's a lot of, you know, you're learning models of therapy that I've never thought about before this like systemic way of assessing and seeing things at these fractal levels is like, you know, it's a lot of, um, uh, it creates a pretty ho- uh, heavy mental load. And so I feel like I haven't had enough time to start like drawing all the dots to the typology because I'm learning this entirely new therapeutic language. I didn't, you know, I didn't study psychology as an undergrad. Yeah. My, my, interest in psychology is you know literally armchair like learning on the internet being into typology things like that so I think as time goes on I you mean know my point is that as time goes on I think I'll begin to draw more of those connections but I can already see you know little glimmers of how type can be helpful in therapy
0: yeah I, I mean and I can also see how knowing it might not really be that helpful like it might get you to some kind of understanding on your own part a little faster than if you didn't but Right. It's like if you're talking to a client and you're like, "Oh, this person's an ESTJ," because I can tell that they're just avoiding their emotions. It's like any psychologist would, or any therapist would would pick up they're avoiding their emotions <laughs> without knowing typology. Right. I think. I mean, maybe the potential there is with uh, couples specifically, or even just mm. people talking about their interactions with their families, because you might be able to theoretically pick up on uh, Hmm. especially communication issues where people of different types are talking about the same thing, but they're not really because they're using like different types of language. You know, if you get, uh, you know, an FE and a TE talking to each other, they're going to be like focusing on different parts of the problem, which, you know, again, any therapist will be able to pick up eventually. But I think, working from that framework of personality types you might be able to see more immediately because that's what your that's what you your mind is looking for is these communication styles um have you i mean have in in specifically in those couple things Hmm. have you seen how have you seen the type dynamics at play there or maybe how have you not is it still kind of like something unexplored for you
1: there, i definitely see i see certain things um you know you mentioned the idea of like an estj being in therapy and obviously they're avoiding their emotions and um I, I think as i said before you know i think a lot of thinkers end up getting drawn or end up like realizing hey it might have it might be beneficial to have a space for processing my emotions so um uh, I, I see a lot of thinkers even in couples like thinkers paired up maybe like an introverted thinker with an extroverted thinker um and so you know from that framework if a lot of people coming in are more on the thinking side then it becomes kind of difficult for me to see like what are the, what's going on typewise I'm not really seeing like a clear like opposites attract sort of thing but I do see a lot of you know introvert with extrovert like this person clearly like pulls in when times get tough and this person is like going out to battle, they're going to war when times get a little tough. Um, I do see like, okay, more D, uh, more introverted decider, judger, or extroverted. Um, those are the main things that are pretty apparent to me. And then also, I think that kind of ties in as well to, uh, just people who are more well, I don't know. I don't know. I I, I want to like. I want to measure what I say. I feel like I might go off the rails. I, I think I might like start guessing a little too much about yeah. what I'm seeing and then you know sabotage myself. <laughs> as right. A therapist.
0: Well, I mean, do they uh, in school? Do they teach you Big Five and and mm-hmm. ask you to you know think about that at all?
1: Yeah. Um, only only a little bit. So I have one class that uh, my first semester it was all about. Assessment stuff, you know, just getting all the information you need. And one of the, one of the readings we did was actually about looking at different personality dimensions when you're working with couples so that you can then introduce that kind of like, Hey, you might be meaning this, but you could mean something entirely different. And it didn't, it talked about big five, but it also talked about, you know, MBTI style personality, the Jungian personality stuff. And I do think that You know, you you kept pointing out how like, okay, well, a therapist is going to see a lot of this stuff independent of like having this framework, but it can be helpful from my perspective. Um, Like type kind of just introduces a way of thinking about things and kind of normalizes that we see things differently. Yeah. So just like giving that to clients, I think could be helpful just to like get that conversation going. But then at the end of the day especially as a therapist, it's just going to fall back on, I need to be curious. I need to like not, you know, not let my own assumptions take over. So like asking, well, what do you mean by fidelity? You know, your partner, you guys are talking about fidelity, but do you even mean the same thing? And so, you know, just asking a lot of questions, asking questions, unearths, you know, a lot of that stuff that maybe personality can be like, you know, it can be a shortcut to or it can, it can be like a, a springboard, but at the end of the day, you know, you still have to have like the hard conversations.
0: Yeah. It is interesting. Something I've been thinking about recently is how, you know, the difference between uh this is how I am and this is how I choose to be. Mm. And I think when you're trying to, f- you know, when you're trying to figure yourself or someone else out and what makes you tick and whatever, and uh, even if you find like these things are, this is just how I am, that having that personality thing is sort of like a backdrop, a, a, a backstop to be like, well, why am I like this? Well, this is why it's the type, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, yeah, I do see that that could be. Useful because I think a lot of people just assume if someone is different than them, it's because they decide to act that way, and it's not because that's sort of just like intrinsically where they see, you know, how they feel like they have to act or where they have to go. I mean, but it's tricky because you you don't want to just like pile everything on. Well, you can't help it because of your type, but I do right. think that is sort of just like the gravity. you know it's maybe maybe it is like you choose to be that way but it's also because there is a gravity of the personality type pulling you towards that and it's not just like i'm totally neutral Mm -hmm. and i decided to do this you know
1: yeah i like the the gravity kind of imagery there and i think that yeah you don't want to use your type ever to like excuse a particular way of being but you also have to be realistic about like where you are and you know what kind of car you're driving and so what kind of fuel can you put in that car versus you know you know, just being realistic about those differences will allow you to work effectively with those differences. And then um, another thing that I probably should say regarding personality and therapy, this is not something that I put into application too much yet, but I'm kind of playing with this, playing with this idea of um, it's called the appropriately unusual. So there's a particular model of therapy called collaborative therapy. And, you know, one of their, one of their big, I don't even know if you can call it a technique, but framework is this idea of using what's appropriately unusual. So, you know, people get stuck. That's why they come into therapy. They're yeah. stuck for all sorts of reasons. And going back to what I said before, you can kind of see where the like sore spots are, the things that you really don't want to touch too much without maybe hurting the therapeutic relationship. So you want to like find something that is like, kind of counter to whatever this worldview is and this behavior pattern that is getting them stuck, you want to find something that's unusual, but it like feels familiar and appropriately unusual. And that, so instead of going right for like the killing blow, you want to find some kind of like middle ground, right? That's that's kind of like the, the basic idea of it. So I've been thinking about that in typological terms of like, okay, so if I am working with a thinker, you know, whatever their like stated verbalized problem is, I have a pretty strong theory that they will at least be like filtering it through the prism of their, uh, their feeling function. Yeah. So it'll like kind of bring up the baggage associated with that. And so I don't want to like directly go to, well, how do you feel about that? Right. Cause I think that and in, in the long run, they're either not going to give me much or it might actually scare them off of therapy if I push too hard. So, okay, let's say they're like an ISTP Um, I'm thinking of like that appropriately unusual idea as involving like going to the third function to access the fourth function, Mm. thinking that they might be kind of, you know, there's like a loose alliance between the first and the second, a loose alliance between the third and the fourth. So, you know, that third function is usually something that we can kind of tap into in that hobby state. We have some curiosity about it. We feel like we can grow there a little bit more than the fourth function. So to long story short i've been thinking like how can i leverage a person's third function whatever that function happens to be in order to shake up the system get things flowing get them to like maybe try even one thing different so you know maybe for somebody who is you know thinking and then sensing i might i might start asking more of those questions of like well, what about this perspective or have you thought about the way this person's seeing it or what's another interpretation of that you know and and then hopefully that's you know sufficient to get the ball rolling and just introduce enough chaos without being too frightening
0: right okay so so the appropriate i'm not sure that i understand the appropriately Mm -hmm. unusual so that is that basically a a uh what's the word i'm looking for a general approach and it's sort of like say something that's you know you want to ask something or say something that is just a little bit beyond their their scope of what they think the problem is with the way they mm-hmm. see things so it's like challenging them but it's not it's like here's here's their bubble here's where you think the real problem is so you're saying something that's like here so it's drawing them towards that where you think yeah. they need to go but if you were to say let's go here immediately they'd be like no way yeah, exactly. That's a perfect encapsulation of it. That's fascinating to think, like trying to go to the third function. It's like slowly, you know, easing them into the waters of the, that non-preferred side. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when it when you are dealing with like a if you were dealing with an IP or EJ, because then you're just kind of looking at it through that uh, intuition or sensing lens where it's, you know, asking them to. Let's see, what would it really be if you even if you take away intuition and sensing, it's just like, uh, you know, organizing versus gathering, just asking them to like, yeah, Uh, so for an ISTP, it would be like, well, let's you know, why don't we just kind of like try to reduce? What do you think the big picture of this is like in, in one concept? Right. That's yeah, that's really interesting because it will start to get them thinking out of that usual mode of TISE in this Mm -hmm. example and then kind of theoretically maybe open them up a bit more.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's the hope. And, you know, like to use myself as an example, um, you know, if I'm like in a huge depressive slump and. At what's most helpful to me is like to develop a sense of routine and to actually pay attention to my body and to pay attention to my patterns and maybe do a little journaling to reflect on what's actually happening, you know, in detail, sensor detail in my life. Yeah. And, and you know, that's difficult for me. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh maybe a, maybe a no go, you know, I, at least I'm now like conscious enough that I can maybe choose to undergo the, the torment there. But, um, you know, it might, I might have better luck, like, Going out and like volunteering, you know, helping other people, doing something that pulls me out of my own head, and then maybe you know, maybe as like a unexpected, um, an unexpected result of that, I might end up kind of building those routines anyway, or it, it'll just force me to pay a little more attention to that generally unconscious like black spot on the map of my life.
0: Yeah, yeah. Cause I and I think back to my own experiences. In therapy, and it's like it was easy for me to just be like, Here's all the things I felt. Uh, and, mm-hmm. almost, and it's funny because now looking back on it, it was kind of like a weird FE thing of like sort of hoping that the therapist would be like, Yes, what you felt was appropriate. Those were the correct emotions to have. <laughs> um, and then also being like, Here's, you know, generally how they were all related but then there would always be that time where it's like, okay, now I've got to like do the, the TI part and figure out like, why, why did why was I feeling all this? Why, why am I Mm -hmm. where I am now? And why, like, how do I put this all together to move forward and, you know, to like kind of resolve this and move Mm -hmm. forward. How do I put that puzzle together? Um, Mm -hmm. or even just like, blaming myself like figuring like everyone else's perspective was the correct one and then switching around and be like okay well how am i actually the one who's right in these situations or why shouldn't i feel bad for these other things yeah
1: right yeah embracing your own standpoint more yeah yeah
0: because uh, and and i'm not sure what the ultimate like theoretically this is such a typology nerd uh conversation right now. But like what yeah. theoretically would have been the the S E thing that I wouldn't have wanted to go to like you gotta shake up everything right now. You you gotta do everything differently that you change up all these old patterns you have. Right.
1: Right. It's like okay, maybe you can assimilate the S E chaos a little more if if that chaos is coming from Yeah. You know, standing on your own feet, embracing your perspective you know, honoring what you think is true. And then that takes the edge off a little bit. Yeah. It is very theoretical. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, you know, I'm hoping that like I can apply these ideas a little more as I work with people and, and really see if it pays off. But I'm, I'm liking it as a framework for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes sense also that right now you are learning a lot of like the actual uh being a therapist bit so like that's the more important thing to put the yeah your brain power into and then once that is uh mastered once you uh then you can uh kind of assimilate the the uh the personality stuff into it yeah i will say um it's really funny sometimes to work with
1: couples where like um you know let's say you have like husband and wife duo and the wife is, you know, ver- more verbally expressive and going, you know, really just, like, giving it to him, talking a lot, sharing a lot with me, filling, you know, and then, like, the dude is kind of just like... <laughs> and then she... This has happened multiple times, you know, then she might say something like, and, you know, it's hard because I'm just such an introvert and, you know, he's just such an extrovert and... So... <laughs> that's hilarious like, maybe i mean maybe <laughs> okay. you know it's <laughs> we'll see <laughs> yeah uh
0: it's it that it's interesting that reminds me of uh you know in our uh previous conversations you mentioned that you were reading through seven principles that make marriage work which i'm sure is very helpful for your work there it is right there uh and mm-hmm. i have i've read a lot of it or listened to a lot of it on audiobook mm. um that one of the interesting things that I remember from that is talking about, and I don't remember precisely, maybe since you've read it more recently, the part where it's talking about like the way that men and women generally feel emotions more. It's like men are much more likely to be flooded, like emotionally right. flooded. And that's why men like stereotypically are shut down in a lot of these situations, because right. women don't really feel feel that in this like sure women are emotional but the way they were describing it if i recall correctly is sort of like women don't feel those extreme spikes of emotion that make them feel like fight or flight response to like the simple things whereas i feel like men can get into an argument that to a woman just seems uh you know just nothing but they will get emotionally flooded and shut down is that you yes. do, do you know yeah. what i'm talking about in the book Absolutely. Yeah. Um,
1: I haven't even read that much of the book, but I did read that part really recently. So it's pretty fresh in my memory. And I think, yeah, he kind of links it to this like evolutionary perspective where like, you know, historically speaking, men were like going out into the world, they were doing the, the hunter gatherer thing. And so, yeah, if you are, if you're encountering something that's like an obstacle or something that's triggering, it's because you're like, life is in danger and you really need to be on guard, and I—I I mean, I see that in my own on my in my own life. I think that I, I have that tendency to kind of like, oh, this this difficult discussion is like the worst thing in the world. Yeah, and, you know, fighting for my life out here.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I feel it too, and I think that that this goes beyond like a simple explanation of personality type because it's like you know I I'm a feeler, but it's still like my wife will mm-hmm. say something like. Oh, you know, you didn't scrape off the plate in the dishwasher, and I'll just like shut down. <laughs> and it's like tough because, oh, now that I'm aware of it, I know that's like I'm feel, you know, I'm. This is just what's happening, and it's not because of what she said. It's just because of my reaction to it. And I think it's, it's not a
1: dinosaur. It's just your wife.
0: Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think it's. Uh, I think it is kind of a universal, uh, male experience and a lot of i think a lot of people don't realize that i saw a play recently Mm -hmm. where it was like a very feminist play it's it's getting into (laughs) too much extra information but one of the lines that stuck out to me is like it it was a comedy so these two women were complaining about their husbands or whatever like yeah men are so sensitive and i'm like Mm -hmm yeah that's true when you think about it it's like because (laughs) they they get so easily emotionally flooded and shut down and then society a lot of times doesn't try to give men the tools they need to work with that and i think a lot of people just don't understand that um it's not that men don't have feelings it's that they just don't feel like they can express them and then when they feel them too intensely it's like they don't know what to do except to kind of just keep it down you know
1: yeah yeah i mean i think it's kind of that sense of if i express this i am i'm i'm concerned i'm going to harm the relationship in some way so i just need to you know step away cool off um realize that this person that i'm dealing with isn't a dinosaur or isn't some panther chasing me down but is just my partner who has and every other situation, you know, showed me that this is a safe situation for me to be in. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think typologically, it. I think there probably still are differences in how it plays out. But, you know, maybe, like, for someone who is more uh, archetypically a feeler, maybe they're, like, stepping away and then they're actually, like, I need time to actually sort through, like, what it is that I'm feeling and, you know, where this feeling is coming from. I think I, I will be more inclined to just, like, I need to, like, pull away for a second until this feeling goes away. Yeah. And then I can come back out.
0: Yeah. I, I, it, there are a lot of uh, the nuances there. It's interesting how it's like people can have the same experience in general, but there are the nuances that the different types will have. Yeah. Here's a weird question, which might be stepping over some boundaries here, but have you ever seen any, uh, like, experienced something in couples therapy, you've seen something in another couple that has taught you something about your own relationship? Which, I mean, it could be anything. It could be, you know, a very small thing. It could be kind of a general, broad thing. Hmm. Because uh, the reason I think about that is, I mean, not that I've seen it in anyone else, but marriage is tough because, yeah. not because, well, I mean, it's just tough to live with another human being, but th- that's not so much it, is that you start to realize I am tough to live with, you know? <laughs> like, I, and especially with uh, moments of being maybe a little too sensitive, I, re- I recognize this in myself, and it's like, you know, I need to stop being a little b-word like i'm just i'm letting my irrational kind of like uh triggers just make me into someone who's not very fun to be around Mm -hmm. you know so that's something i'm working on now is like how do i calm that and yes realize it's just it's not a big deal
1: yeah yeah um i think generally speaking there are definitely moments where I've kind of seen myself reflected, especially in in a lot of my male clients who are kind of like new to learning this language of, you know, what is therapy? What are feelings? What do I, you know, how do I handle this? So I do see, you know, that kind of mirrored back at me. And then I think this is sort of of answering your question, but um, just in general, it's been really helpful to learn all these frameworks for thinking about what goes wrong in relationships. And then as I'm kind of applying it clinically, I'm also seeing, oh, this is relevant to my own life. And this is something that I can incorporate to make my own relationships better, generally speaking. And, um, you know, for example, there's this, uh, one of the major models for working with couples is called EFT, um, emotionally focused therapy. And, um, you know, it's all about how people kind of get caught up in a particular dance, a particular tango. So like, you know, when, when I and Hillary don't see eye to eye, there is a predictable kind of pattern of like, who's doing what. And then that pat like learning to see that pattern play out again and again. Um, and seeing how, you know, there's a, obviously there's a lot going on cognitively. Like you do one thing, I see it, I interpret it this way, yada, yada, yada. But, I mean, the main thing that I took away from learning about that model is that, um, you know, we have, like, primary emotions and secondary emotions. And so we often, in those tense fight-or-flight moments, we are often responding with something like anger or shutting down completely. And so this model is like, well, hey, like, what's underneath that, though? Like, what's underneath the anger that you're feeling? And so it might be something like, you know... Yes, I'm angry that you didn't put away the dishes. Um, But really what I'm feeling is I'm feeling very alone. And I'm feeling like I'm doing this by myself. And I really want to feel like I'm in a partnership right now. So I don't want to feel that loneliness. I want to feel closer to you. And so it's like learning to see that there's like a bid for connection. And there's a reaching underneath all of these initially kind of extreme stances that we take talking about the shutdown from earlier, you know, shutdown can be, if you reframe it, it's like, okay, I want to protect this relationship because I am not as competent at managing this flooded feeling as I would like to be. And so I don't know how to handle it. The best thing I can do right now is to go into the cave and wait for the dinosaurs to recede. So just like learning to actually verbally articulate to your partner. Yeah. Okay. Here's how I was reacting, but really, the like true emotional need underneath is i don't want to hurt you and i this is a lot for me to handle right now
0: yeah yeah that's i mean that's really good i mean that's uh, so uh fe it's like you're not just feeling mm-hmm. one thing you're feeling many things you know <laughs> so yeah yeah how and you know you bring up your wife it's interesting uh you know you and hillary are both uh you are not just uh uh in a relationship but you were classmates as well that's uh yes that's quite, uh, interesting. I mean, there's a couple things I want to to talk about here. Uh, well, in general, just what, the, what is that like? Mm. Do you, do you, um, you just know, get sick of being around her? You're like, come on, man. It's like all day.
1: Uh, I don't, I, I, not really. Um, you know, it's obviously helpful to have like some time apart and a space to breathe. But, um, you know, for the people who are, viewing this or listening to this who are more into the like objective personality side, you know, one thing that they say about people who are sleep last. So me is that we kind of have like do it with me disease. So like, I feel, I feel very happy to kind of have like a buddy who's going through this process with me. We're doing homework together. You know, I'm not, I'm not like feeling that drift, you know, like relational drift where if we were both doing different things that might be harder to maintain the relationship. Um, so I feel very fortunate that we're kind of aligned and, and what we're looking for in life. And, you know, the goal, the goal is to have a private practice together. So, you know, I think that it'll all be, we're both going through like a very strenuous experience right now. That is the major drawback, right? It's like, we're both stressed out at the same time and you know, we're like riding the same wave. And so it's hard for like one person to pick up the slack when we're both like in the thick of it. So I I would say that's like the major drawback is not, not always having one person who has like, who clearly has more capacity. Mm. You know, we have to learn to like give and take and really think through how we want to handle the hiccups of life. Um, The other thing you know, we're both competitive, so I think that that's also been a drawback, you know, academically. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, man, look at my GPA. Like,
0: Check this out.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of like locking horns like all right. Um which is I think is fun and um I mean it can be like stressful in its own way, but uh I think it's also been beneficial. It's kind of like uh, it's like those twin studies, right? Where like you take two guys born from the same family but they're living in different geographical locations, how are they gonna, you know, we're, we're doing, There a lot of our variables are the same, yet our personalities are different. And so it's interesting to see how we're both moving through this experience and moving through this trajectory. Um, you know, she's more like connection oriented. So she's been better at like, building a network of friends. And I think I'm, you know, I, I feel like a little bit lonelier and I'm like, oh, these people are like only my friend because they're Hillary's friend. And so that's <laughs> like, you know, like because she's like there first. And so I'm always feeling like, yeah, you know, that's that's one difficulty um, and one one big difference. And then I have been more inclined to like reach out to, you know, I, I have a professor that uh, I like reached out to for collaborating for research purposes. So I'm like trying to really dig deep on the academic side um hillary is we're, we're working on a, a research paper together now so we're kind of doing that that together that should be fun but yeah it's it's such an interesting way to like see your share like where you're similar and where you're different and and, and then in terms of like technique i think we both having like the ne we both are really good at asking questions and offering metaphors and analogies that do help with that reframing process so it's just yeah it's it's been really fascinating from that perspective
0: yeah and to give some context to uh to our dear listeners your wife if we're just gonna say in dumb mbti terms we would say she's Mm -hmm. like an entj but in the Mm -hmm. in the you know more highfalutin objective personality terms technically an estj t -T e n e Mm -hmm. now what is that like having uh that the different decider axis there where you have you're both thinkers but you you've got the introverted thinking she's got extroverted thinking where do you see uh where do you see that clash Mm. or even not clash just miscommunications yeah
1: i i think that i see it a lot in I mean, and a lot of basic problem solving. So just to give like the first example that comes to mind, you know, I had this laptop that was a work laptop um, and the fan was dying and I'm like, okay, like I got to handle this myself. I need to like buy a fan replacement. I need to install it myself. And, and I take a lot of like pleasure out of that in a way, like, from from my vantage point, it's like, yeah, I could reach out to somebody at the company who could help me with this, but what? then I'm going to be like, without my laptop, without my particular like TI, like way of doing things, my, you know, my, my computer's like set up in a way that's conducive to my workflow. Are they going to send me another, you know, there's a whole like, so for me, it's like, it's easier to just like solve problems myself. Yeah. It's kind of like what it boils down to. And that is a place where we like, don't always, we're not always aligned or we don't always see things the same because she's like, Hey, like, when are you going to send this to the company? Like, when are you going yeah. to, you know, you're going to contact the guy who's going to do the thing for you. And so, and that kind of goes back to that difference of like, she is more, it's like the, the connectivity piece, you know, she is like reaching out to people. She's like aware of the resources in the community who can offer what. And I'm like, all right, got to do it myself. Got to do it myself. So I think for me, it's been like, the biggest thing to learn from like yeah there are people there who can make your life easier and it might you know free up your capacity to perform better in this domain if you're not spread so thin in every domain trying to solve every problem on your own
0: yeah well it's also interesting the dynamic that I picked up there's like you figured out the solution for yourself and then she comes along and is like why are you doing it that way like <laughs> that's mm-hmm. a, and it's like for the ti it's like oh dang come on like i've spent <laughs> i've spent so long figuring out my why but at least for you preferring that you can be like well here's why whereas me i'm just like uh okay whatever we'll do it your way because i don't want to have to like it just it bothers me to have to stand on like i feel weird saying well here's the reasons that i came up with for why i'm doing it this Mm -hmm. way that i know is kind of circuitous now that you're bringing up maybe the objectively correct way to do it it wouldn't
1: work for everybody yeah i know
0: (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's like it may work for everyone else but i wanted to figure it out for myself so yeah uh yeah that yeah because i you know my wife is lead te as well at least i think who knows but um yeah it's kind of the same thing i spend I'll have my way of doing things. And she's like, why are you doing it that way? Just do it this way. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) like, yeah, but you learn a lot from it because it's like, I shouldn't be so precious about my, you know, my way of putting together this pathway, you know? Mm -hmm.
1: When I think the, I think what's most triggering about it, probably for everybody who encounters a dynamic like that is, it's not just about the thing, right. It's not just about me with the fan and replacing the fan myself. It's like, if I truly take that feedback, then it's about like a worldview shift. Yeah. It's about like learning. Oh yeah. I can rely on other people. Yeah. And like, what will that mean? How does that change? Like literally everything about the way that I live my life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, so how, uh, how much longer do you have if we run a few minutes beyond what I originally said? Oh,
1: I'm, I could go, I can't go all day, but I can go for a while.
0: Okay. Well, I wanted to switch topics a little bit. Uh, we don't need to go on too long, but, uh, one the thing that will probably be of most interest to the viewers is that you've been uh, a writing partner of mine for Mm. a few years now. Uh, Actually, then the last uh, script that I produced that you wrote is uh, the types as therapists, sixteen personalities as therapists, mm-hmm. which everyone loved. They thought it was amazing. So uh, good work there. Thanks. Uh, did did you did any of your clients end up in that script? Were you like inspired <laughs> directly? Because you, I know you wrote that a while before I produced it, so I can't remember how far mm. into the program you were at that point it wasn't that, it wasn't that much later that I, it was like January, you wrote the script. Yeah. I was
1: all, I was already seeing clients, but, um, I don't think anybody directly, I try to be careful not to like put anything where somebody might be like, that sounds an awful, but an awful lot like my life. But then there are these like very generic archetypal situations. And you know, once you are like working as a clinician, you start to see that like, this is like I've seen this before. Maybe that's my intuition talking, but it's like yeah. this is all the same. Hang on. Like people come in, people will be like, I know we're gonna be in a specially hard case for you. Like buckle up, it's gonna be a wild <laughs> ride, and then it's like the same thing that the person before you just said. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that it is interesting. I mean it can probably it can even feel a little deflating if you're the person saying that. I mean I think people react differently, but you know, it's like, I thought my problem was special. Yeah. Uh, whereas some people will feel there, relief. Yeah. They'll be like, oh, great. Yeah.
1: It's normal. Yeah. But, you know, the point being, I don't think I drew too explicitly from anybody that I was working with, but I definitely drew from like models that we're learning about, techniques that we're learning about, and I, I had fun playing with that. Yeah.
0: What type do you find the hardest to come up with a material for? Like a joke or oh, something that seems dang. relatable? because i can tell you and the audience can tell you too <laughs> for me it's like <laughs> isfps i'm always That's... like uh i mean i feel like i give them good jokes a lot of times but it's usually like uh a joke that isn't coming from the type so much as it is just a funny joke that is generally for an introvert you know
1: yeah yeah i, I- isfp popped into my head as well um i think another difficulty can kind of come from like uh ESTJ and ENTJ. Mm. Like I feel like sometimes I'm like, yeah, these are like interchangeable. How do you really like zhuzh it up so that like you're really capturing whatever the difference is there? Um I think that like the T E DOMs are easy to write for. I just think that I like struggle with like that differentiating factor
0: yeah i get what you mean yeah especially- uh, the the e and i p s it is i feel because i feel like to me a lot of times the defining factor of a type is more the uh the feeling or thinking aspect of it, and so with mm-hmm. those types well a lot of yeah a lot of times it is really just like the same scenario could go either way, but you maybe put some more sensory stuff in the language of uh the the estj and then just kind of broaden stuff for the entj uh it would be so much easier if it was just the eight types like it would way way easier (laughs) to make very distinct jokes that landed every time and were specific to the type yeah yeah because there's always i don't know how do you write to explain to me how you write a script from beginning to end holy
1: smokes um as if I have a process, so or I can yeah <laughs>
0: tell me your IJ process.
1: Um, okay, so I kind of have a template at this point, which just has like, like just the sixteen types with like a dash by each of the types, like a starting point. Um, usually, I'll actually go into that document, go underneath all of the types, and just like jot down anything that seems vaguely funny about about the the scenario or whatever the concept is like okay i mench- could mention chat gpt lol you know maybe the, you know anything that just pops into my head just a complete vomiting of ideas and then i actually start with the jokes for the most part i like start to like expand those out maybe with a loose idea of who it could be applicable to and then once it finally takes shape uh and i Another thing I should say about my writing style in general is that I jump around a lot. So I might have like one line up here that's not even a complete line. I'll jump five lines down, tighten up the the, the vomit that's down there I'll just a little bit and then jump down here. And I'm just jumping and jumping and jumping and things are kind of proceeding like 15%, 25%. But it's all just chaotically kind of accumulating at the same time and progressing at the same time. So... So that's a difficult thing about my process, but it kind of also, I think, plays to my type because I do get really bored and kind of anxious if I have to sit with it and it's not working. So I'm constantly injecting variety of like, I've thought about this one for 30 seconds. Let's jump down to this joke and see if we can make that work. And then, you know, jump down to this one. So it's a lot of, you know, a lot of channel changing. And then eventually things take shape. And as they're you know, at 90%, 95%, then I'm really thinking like, okay, is this more ISFP, INFP? Like if I have to like force a decision and then how can I like slightly revise it or slightly tweak it in order to make it more INFP? And then that's kind of the final product.
0: Right. Then that's, that's fairly similar to the way I do it too. Uh, I'm, probably don't jump around quite as much. I'll like stare at a screen at the blinking cursor for like 10 minutes and be like, okay, it's not coming to me. So, <laughs> uh, but I do find it. I find like the best thing to do is to start right until I hit a block and then leave it for a couple of days. If I have the luxury to do that, sometimes I don't, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. cause sometimes you come back to it and then you're like, Oh, well now of course I know what to say next. And other times, uh, it just comes, other times it comes all at once. Other times it takes days. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you get like just stuck on one joke and you're like, ah, what do I, how do I do this ENFP joke here? It's like, I've done so, especially because there's so much overlap. It's like, what is the defining thing that makes this one different? And then, at least for me, I get the audience in my head and see all the comments that are like, "You always do this with this type," and you, <laughs> why yeah. you, you oh. not accurate? You missed the mark this time. <laughs> or it'll, it, it's so it's tough because you'll get people who are like, "This was too stereotypical." Like I got a, I got a comment on my last video that was like, "INTJ, please stop making INTJ so stereotypical." But then I'll get other comments that are like, "This was not relatable as." an INTJ so it's like I can't make everyone happy
1: <laughs> yeah no you really can't that's that's one of the I mean I definitely have those moments where I get stuck on a joke and I'm like okay I'm gonna have to sleep on it like I don't know what to do I'm gonna like this joke is gonna let down the frisky ponies it's not gonna yeah. it's not gonna land and it, it is interesting how um how effective sleeping on it can can work and I remember reading Stephen King's book on writing and I think that's a piece of advice that he gives in that book it's like write up to the point where you still have energy and you still have excitement and just before you go off that cliff into like I don't know what the hell to do that's when you press pause and so you kind of like ride that wave the next day whenever you get back into it there's still something there that you've let percolate in your mind overnight so I try to approach it that way
0: yeah, that's great. That is, uh, that's very useful. Uh, <clears throat> years ago, I uh, had a foray into writing a novel, and that was the only way that I was able to do it is hmm. limiting myself to a word count every day that seemed too low, but that yeah. gave me extra. It was like your creative well, if it gets too low, it takes longer to fill up. you don't have enough the next day so it's like you've always got to make sure that there's a little bit left you could Mm -hmm. do more but you got to stop Mm -hmm. um because you all you know from day to day you might not be as creative uh, you know one day to the next so you need to need to save a reserve for the future
1: yeah and it's so easy to get kind of like i at least for myself i find that like it's hard to shake a bad mood. So if I do right until I hit the wall, then when I wake up, I'm going to still feel like I'm in that space of, Oh, I hit the wall. So yeah, kind of thinking in terms of like the momentum of like the energy and your excitement. I I think that can be really helpful.
0: Yeah. Now a, uh, a question or two to put you on the spot is one yeah. of the additional frustrations you have of writing with me is that the process <laughs> is usually you write and I'll give you notes sometimes, or sometimes I won't, and then I take it and sometimes just like rewrite a bunch of stuff. <laughs> so mm. what? Uh, so what are times where uh, things didn't? <laughs> uh, let's see. How, so what was there a time where I rewrote something and you were like? What, what was wrong with that joke what uh come on man do you remember does there do any stick in your mind wow because um, so i'll just point out that i feel mm-hmm. bad because a lot of times the type even if everything else was fine the one type i would change is the entp and i was like mm. jeffrey can't get into entps he's got the blind spot <laughs> uh and i don't so i didn't know if maybe that i i always worried that you would pick up on that uh that that's pattern there
1: hilarious no i i kind of missed that one um that's that's really funny i think in general no examples are coming to mind i think maybe most recently we did the um rap battle one right right and i think because i've been like heavily in like the rap headspace i i think i overdid it a little bit so that that does come to mind as like i think i wrote a lot and then you kind of like shaved it down a little bit and really refined it to like this pristine, crystalline product. (laughs) Um, But and I'm really grateful, honestly, for the way that you did it, because I hate to say this, Frank, I literally like made a sports bracket. I literally like bracketed every type and then went down the brackets and down the brackets. Oh, right. Yeah.
0: Yes. In that original script, there were multiple rounds, even though we only saw maybe a snippet of each one. Yeah, and I was so a lot of times I just get overwhelmed as the yeah. person shooting it. and I'm like, I I like my mind cannot wrap itself around how I'm gonna do this. So, uh, but I also was just like, hey, we can just like the audience is not gonna follow even if it's as clear as day. So let's just skip to the end, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I I think that's totally fair, and I think yeah, that's the only thing that really comes to mind as far as like. Oh, man, there were probably, I don't even have a particular example, but there were probably some dope
0: raps in there that didn't make the cut. There were, I mean, there were some good <laughs> rhymes where I was like, so I think with that script, what I actually did a lot of times was, besides that that chunk I cut, I would take what you wrote and then build off of it, because I was like, some of these need to be longer. Yeah. Ultimately, yeah. it didn't matter because the my audience apparently doesn't like rap, so the video didn't do very well. Oh, I was shit. I was like, this is going to be a hit, and it's like Whoa, terrible performer. Figure that right. one out. I don't know. But yeah. um, yeah, so I would make them longer, but there would be times where I'm like, I need to end on this rhyme, so now I have to change Jeffrey's dope rhyme to get it to work. And I felt bad right. during those times, but I was like, for the greater good we must do this no,
1: i understand uh, and i i mean yeah to be like completely frank i think huh, that's you <laughs> i'm sure you've heard that joke so many times yeah. in your life um to be jeffrey i early on there were times when i was like oh man my joke changed yeah and then it didn't take long for me to be like you know this is the process and obviously i'm just like grateful to be able to do it it's really fun and you know, I trust that you like know what you're doing. So I'm happy to surrender that, that final editorial
0: piece. Well, I'm glad to have uh, convinced you that I know what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the inverse of that question. Has there been a time where, you know, a joke you wrote made it mostly unscathed into the video, but Mm. the way that I portrayed it was like, not what you thought it was going to be like, just the the angle that I took on it, whether it's the vocal inflection or the character, because mm-hmm. a lot of times, even though you're just writing a line and it is the personality type, you have a character in mind that might be slightly different from what I do, you know? Yeah. Or like the intention of the character was clearly different, even though the line is the same. And I know I'm asking mm-hmm. you to like think over several years of. three minute videos, but
1: (laughs) um, no, nothing really comes to mind. Uh, I, I will say this is kind of connected to maybe the last question, but I'm also thinking of the Wonka video. Oh yeah. So the Wonka video is one of my favorites. I feel like maybe I offer like a little unhinged energy that really works well with something like that. So I, I love that video. Um you did change the ENTP a lot in the Wonka video now that I think of it.
0: Yeah. And so cause I basically made it um uh uh, uh Neil deGrasse Tyson.
1: <laughs> like I just Well actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and so there there's an area where yeah, my intention I, I had this like probably overly Elaborate, difficult to film thing where like the ENTP is doing the madman kind of monologue that, oh, yeah, on the river,
0: yeah,
1: on the river. And so, yeah, that 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 also comes to mind as like an example of like, I see why the change was made, but
0: yeah, that was and that that one was literally just production. Like, I didn't know how I would do a chocolate river boat scene, and I was just like, I gotta make it easier. (laughs) (laughs) so many things when I'm filming sometimes the edits aren't because of the joke it's just because I need to make it easier to execute and yeah yeah, I don't uh, I don't know over the past years there's probably videos that got more views than the Wonka one but I do think that was probably my favorite one we've did and probably the best collaboration we've done Mm -hmm. in terms of going into it with a a plan of sort it wasn't like a plan plan but we were like hey uh, i think we were like mr beast did this let's do it <laughs> <Yeah>. um <laughs> you might have even been the one to bring the idea to the table i forget or if that was just like one of the random things we threw out there together i can't remember yeah. um but then there was a back and forth with the script and it it ultimately came out perfectly uh from from my point of view um <laughs> Yeah, that was the that was the height I think thus far. Yeah. Of course, new heights yeah. to come. The therapist yeah. one did very well, so um, that I, I think that one was another. That was a return to form, if you will. So yeah, that one
1: was that one was good, especially just being able to draw on the stuff that's very fresh in my mind. Um, and then another unhinged one that I thought was good. I liked the life hack man video. I don't know how that one played with the audience, but
0: oh yeah. I, I thought that was a fun one yeah that one was good Uh, it didn't uh, it didn't perform well initially though I think it caught up later a bit Uh, and I think it's just so difficult with this particular audience you don't always know it's actually it's at 348 so it's almost Mm -hmm. I mean that's pretty good but day one I was like this is bombing although I think you know yeah, day one it had sixty thousand views, which might sound like a lot, but at that time that was not. That was I. Yeah. So my my watershed, uh, you know, the thing that I had been wanting it to hit every day was like at least seventy k on, but in twenty four hours. Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. video didn't hit that, I was like, it's a failure. Now I'm lucky if a video <laughs> hits 50k in 24 hours. So I'm like, okay, times are changing. Oh. We need to. Yeah. But it's weird because I feel like the the algorithm works a little differently now, where these videos perform worse at first, but the same over time. So I it's see. like, yeah. In a in a year or two's time, which is a long time for sure, they will be the same. But in the first couple weeks they're going to look vastly different Mm -hmm. which uh uh it's just one of the interesting waves you ride on youtube Uh, i'm trying to let me look through and see what other good ones uh i mean they've all been good let's be honest folks but uh (laughs) what are what are the greatest hits of our riding partnership here um You've done a lot of school
1: related ones. That's true. Yeah. I feel like that's such an easy universal thing to tap
0: into, so I really like doing those. Yeah. I forget, did you write the bullies one? The that not the types mm. as bullies, but the types getting bullied?
1: I can't remember.
0: Uh, let me look. Sometimes, you know, usually I try to credit you in the description, but sometimes I hit publish and I f- forgot. Um and I'm always afraid to tweak descriptions after I publish something. <laughs> oh, yeah, I get that fear, like I'm going to ruin everything if I change <laughs> change anything at all. Uh, but yeah, like the types in a group project, uh, I oh, think yeah. that was one types. Uh, on the last day of school, that was a fun one.
1: Interacting as families, I thought was good. Oh
0: yeah, interact. That was uh, that was a bit of a you know a high concept one with the different yeah. quadra as families Uh, also
1: the romantic movie oh yeah that was a really good one romantic
0: movie Uh, that was a lot of fun to put together Uh, because of all the production elements that you put into it like the music and everything and you know making kind of allusions to other (laughs) yeah uh, other things Uh, yeah the types interacting in class types picking a college major I believe Yes. we've worked on
1: that was actually the first one that
0: I, I I did I believe really wow yeah
1: I could be wrong
0: I mean I I would uh, that sounds right yeah but regardless oh the types is villains you you did oh, we did yeah. that right yeah we did that yeah that was that, that was a, a banger
1: oh yeah and um, the essentially the survivor one, you know, voting
0: each other out. <clears throat> yeah. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. You're, Oh, we didn't even touch on your typology wraps. You've oh, completed no. the, let's just, before we put a bow on it, let's yeah. just touch on that. The, yeah. the MBTI wraps, you finally finished the, the, what would a set of 16 be? Yeah. Um, How do you feel?
1: <laughs> I feel, gosh, I feel good. I feel, Conflicted. I got a lot of feelings. Uh, surprise, surprise. Uh, you know, it's been like a long time coming. I started doing them, I think, like right at the beginning of COVID, and um, I, you know, I I love rap music, so when I had that idea to like make type wraps, I was like, man, this is killer. This is like what I'm built for. This is integrating so many things that I'm into. So, you know, a lot of initial excitement, but then, you know, it was like a long slog, you know, it took me a while to get through them. So, uh, partially finishing them was just like, ah, it's like, I just need to do it to be done with it. And I still want to do it well, but right now I want to be done with it. So, it feels good to close out that chapter. And I'm, I'm pr- especially once I kind of like assembled a track list and I try to think about the flow between all the songs and kind of make it work. I'm really pleased with the way that it turned out. Um, it's on Spotify, it's on YouTube. Hit it up. What was your favorite one to do? Mm. In terms of, okay, so the ENTP rap is. The rap that is most in alignment with what i look for out of rap so it's kind of like clever a little more verbal um you know inspired by I mean just you know a lot of what i think of as like more technical rappers so i tried to bring that to the table for that song and i think it's really fun bouncy but at the same time a little bit of a lyrical miracle you know what I'm saying? <laughs> maybe even at times spherical so <laughs> um that was my favorite to write and then video wise um, you know the ESFP one was once, once Hillary became like a permanent fixture of my life and we started spending a lot of time together she was helping me with videos and so she had a lot of good ideas for making the ESFP video really fun and like you know partying it up just having a good time kind of trying to encapsulate that mentality so that was a really fun video to make and then same with the what I think of as like the closing track, the ISTJ track, I tried to, I tried to make something that I thought would be moving and, you know, heartfelt. Even though it's also a funny, stereotypical rap, you know, stereotype personality rap, um, because the whole thing has been very tongue in cheek. Yeah, you know, I'm like kind of poking fun at these types while celebrating these types, and then the ISTJ is sort of this archetype of rigidity i am who i am i do my thing each and every day the same way and so i wanted to close with that song as like a statement about like hey everybody who's into personality is kind of like we kind of treat it as a straitjacket sometimes and so just like this little istj in this song is learning to allow for that process of metamorphosis Hey, maybe we can all change. And maybe we can all not be so rigid even as we celebrate these really fun personality ideas.
0: Yeah. That I I really like that. What is the uh like the the general reception you've gotten I I assume has been positive on your channel. Have there been any unexpected mm-hmm. comments that you've received?
1: I mean, some people are just like I don't like rap. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> or
0: (laughs) Jeffrey I don't like rap no one should be putting rap out
1: (laughs) or um you know people there's nothing like too unexpected um people like don't like the rap about their type but they like other raps or people resonate with like really weird things you know you were talking earlier about that that trying to walk that line of is it relatable Mm -hmm. or is it too stereotypical you know I've had people be like yo the INTJ rap is so sick I actually I have a hurdy-gurdy and I'm like what? <laughs> yeah <laughs> like like that's the worst line in the song. I can't believe that that is something that somehow resonates with people. Um, so that's really surprising and interesting and then the the other thing that's kind of shocked me was on the INFj rap. you know that's the first one that I did. Um, one of the comments it seemed like an innocuous generic comment. But there was something about the profile picture that like rubbed me in a weird way. So I clicked into the profile and it's like some woman who was like a ghost hunter famously back in like the 90s and early 2000s. And she was on like on talk shows. So she has like clips all on her page of her like not being on Maury Povich, but on things like that, things of that elk. And so I'm just like, what? A fascinating person to have like stumbled upon like into this world that i'm creating here
0: yeah that is uh, like, you you don't really expect uh a uh ghost hunter who was famous in the 90s to <laughs> be no. watching your videos yeah no <laughs> it is funny you know how people latch on to things that you don't expect and they're like that's the relatable thing because a lot of times they're just like you know specifics you put in there that kind of illustrate the broader point but then the specifics Mm -hmm. somehow relate to the person you know you write a joke about uh, I only own navy blue clothes and then people be like oh my gosh that's me I only own navy blue yeah exactly I think your INTJ rap is probably my favorite of them all that's the I mean if if we can just base that off of it's the one that gets stuck in my head the all the time like it's i I mean it might shock you here but it'll just be like i'll just be walking around and i'll hear the chorus going on in my head Mm -hmm. so
1: you can't uh, know what it looks like yeah man so that's that's interesting i i i at some point want to do like a um like tier lists for all of my songs, I would probably put the INTJ personally at the bottom or pretty close to the bottom. Was that like your
0: first or second one? I think I did INFJ, then INFP and then INTJ. Okay. Yeah. So why is it at the bottom for you?
1: Um, it's a little too fast. Like, I don't think that it sounds natural. I'm like really trying hard to keep up with the tempo of the, the instrumental. Um, The lyrics can be... Some of the lyrics are pretty good, but, like, the hurdy-gurdy thing is, like, such a throwaway. I feel like I could have tried harder to craft the lyrics. But, um, yeah, get played like a hurdy-gurdy. I'm an INTJ living in 3030. I don't know. I just... Hurdy-gurdy. I feel like that was, like, a a low-hanging fruit. You know, a desperate move on my... (laughs) 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 So, yeah, there are pieces that I... I'm not fond of, but then I have, you know, I have a friend who I've talked to about this. I'm like, yo, I, I hate the INTJ rap. And then he, he's like, yeah, but I hate INTJs. (laughs) And it's like, it's perfect for like, it really encapsulates the INTJs. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's, I don't know. It's okay. I, I do like, um, like one of my favorite lines that I wrote in all those raps is in, is in the INTJ rap, which is just like, Oh crap! I'm gonna I'm gonna forget it now. Um, basically, people people often say that I must be fun at parties, but that's hardly the case. And then it kind of goes on, like just like the obliviousness of like people say that I must be fun at parties, but I'm not fun at parties. <laughs> like the INTJ kind of like missing the like right the social cue underneath it. I I think that's really funny, just personally.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean it is it's funny in general how people will like the they'll they'll latch onto and like the things that you either don't recognize as being good yeah. or that you actually hate and I've you know I've found that you know I think throwaway lines are are necessary. Like sometimes you just have to have a throwaway line to make the other lines look better because you know that yeah. the, you know the audience is going to be like that line's not very good, but then they'll, the, it's like a trick. Ever they think the other things are better because they have the comparison of the worst line in there. Oh, um, that's
1: interesting. Yeah, I
0: do that sometimes with the comedy sketches too, where I'm like, this joke is a throwaway, but it's short and it's between two others that are going to get boosted theoretically because of this one although on youtube you don't know people might just be so uh quick to click away that you don't you can't afford that (laughs) i forget where i first heard this what song it's like a songwriter famously said to put a throwaway in it might have been i don't the two i'm thinking of it was either freddie mercury or like cole porter so it's like not similar at all but one of those two was like you gotta put a throwaway line in there um but then people think the throwaway line is great and then you'll have this baby of a joke that you're like this is the funniest joke it cracks me up when i when i read it when i see it acted out or you know the my favorite line of the rap this is so clever and no one mentions it and you're like yeah Gu- guys like what's yeah. going on here why yeah. yeah why do you not relate to what i think is the most funny thing
1: it's the most awesome yeah oh, thankfully I think I am in agreement. Like nobody has ever um, embraced my least favorite line of the INTJ rap. And so I feel good about that. Like it's, I'm imagining it's universally hated, which is um, I'm kind of getting at that, like INTJ prepper mentality. And I say I'm a visionary. Even when that vision's scary, I got a mask for dystopian dysentery, like pre- preparing for the future, wearing some like weird gas mask to pre- pre- to prevent you from getting any futuristic dysentery i hate that i use the word dysentery in the intj rep it's just that i can't stand by that
0: yeah and no one's been like dude i don't want to get dysentery either
1: (laughs) no no that one doesn't doesn't seem to resonate Uh, whatsoever
0: i feel like you'd be more likely to get a bunch of comments that are like what does that mean what is dysentery yeah what is dystopian dysentery (laughs) Like, I don't know we'll what we'll talk di- about that
1: in ten years. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, did you run out of steam with them? Obviously, you've completed it, but did you feel like yeah. there was ever a point where you were running out of steam? Because there's the obvious thing on YouTube where it's like YouTube and I feel like the internet in general where the I N types uh, they sell like hotcakes. Mm. People, everyone wants to watch videos about them. <laughs> But like you have yeah. you knew going into the other types, you know that the ESTJ rap, the uh, the ISFP rap, they're not gonna be they're not gonna perform as well as the IN right. types. Did you ever did it ever cross your mind I don't even wanna bother writing these things?
1: Yeah, definitely. Especially when I realize like I- I'm somebody who has like a very poor relationship to time and so once I realized, like, how long it was taking me between each one and, um, you know, I wasn't, like, proactively trying to make it happen, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a long project unless I really change my approach. And so at a certain point, I started to think, you know, is my moment over? I already did, like, the really, like, obviously popular ones. I got the I, I- right out the gate, you know, INFP, INFJ, INTJ, like, hitting those, yeah. those big... You know, those big sellers. Yeah. (laughs) And so, um, yeah, I started to uh, question whether it'd be worth it to do the whole thing. But I've always had people kind of clamoring, like, I'm so ready for the ISFJ. I can't wait. And I'm like, you know, it'll be fun. I will enjoy it. And there are still people who are like wanting to listen. So for the sake of completion, for the sake of always liking rap, wanting to have my own rap album anyway. Like, I might as well see see the course here, follow it through and so I'm glad that I did.
0: Yeah. No. Uh- and it
1: can be surprising. Like ISTP, I it was one of the last ones I released and it's like it's so much more popular than like it's it's accelerating at a rate that I did not expect and it's more popular than the ISTJ which, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> and it's more popular than the like Rap album as a whole, like that I released as a video at the same time, so it's just getting more views than I expected. Yeah,
0: I think that the ISTP is the next hot thing out there, the next hot type. It's coming, because I see yeah. that one requested more than any other one. Or people, you know, in a sixteen mm. personalities sketch, they'll say, "Oh, ISTP," blah blah blah, um, which is a little surprising to me. But I feel yeah. like maybe it makes sense, like that's the type that is most, it's the sensing type that is most acceptable to be because it is, you know, uh, I don't, maybe it's the TP part of it. I, I Cause yeah. you have to think that if Myers-Briggs uh, statistics are correct and it's like, you know, ISTJ or whatever is the most uh, common type, why doesn't that translate to popularity on the internet Because they're not just making up these statistics. Uh, Right. Is it purely just... And then even the 16personalities.com claims that, you know, these other types are the more popular ones from their test. So how does it end up that the IN types are the only ones searching things out? Um
1: Right even if those tests aren't good or even if those typings aren't accurate, those people theoretically would still be like seeking out content and right you know entertainment relevant to that.
0: Yeah, so the only thing I can figure is that it's because um, the type of person to get those scores is just the type of person who is interested in that kind of stuff, even if they aren't those types and maybe now there's some kind of shift where people feel like it's acceptable to be more honest, at least in the ISTP preferences on those tests, the kind of people who are interested in self-growth feel like it's okay to be more honest about those things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If
0: that makes any sense. Um, But that's interesting. I get, I get people requesting all the time ISTP specific. Yeah. Cause I am not like you in terms of completism where I'll do some of these videos that are about a specific type. I'll do, you know, the series of uh, INFJ girlfriend or whatever. And I can just see, I can see a steep drop off, even just from INFJ, INTJ to INTP or INFP. It's like the J types dominate for some reason. So it's Mm -hmm. like, I do see in the comments, lots of people saying they want different types, but I just know that that doesn't translate to actual like the scalable amount of right viewers but now i'm curious to see how well an istp video well not how well it would do but how much better it would do than i expect it to do because i would i would have previously expected it to bomb so badly that it would you know make me want to stay in bed but (laughs) but maybe it would maybe it would do okay i don't know
1: yeah well i mean you know, I think there's something to be said for the ISTP being life hack Man. And, you know, yeah. I think there's there is energy there. I'm also thinking it's almost like the ISTP is the INFJ's like hot cousin, you know, like there's yeah. something similar there. There's you got the TI, the NI, they're relatively accessible. I, I don't know. It feels like a very natural extension where if maybe INFJ content is getting a little stale for people, then this this type is like easier to easier to assimilate it's part of that uh, appropriately unusual you know ah
0: there you go yeah i think yeah. it's and it might also just be because it's like people who would say they're intp except that the stereotype seems to just be like so nerdy it's like i'm not a nerd but i relate right. to the the right. i the t and the p so yeah. i'll just say you know i'm a realist and i feel like there i feel like there is a certain type of uh, and this is kind of just anecdotal, based on what I'm seeing, like in the comments, women who are who uh, test as ISTP, like there's got, a, I think there's like a specific type of woman who knows they're not nerdy, but also knows that they're like logical and yeah. uh, and introverted oh, yeah. that test a lot as ISTP. Like I I see that a lot, and you know men too, but it's I guess it's more unexpected to see a lot of women ISTPs.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, but it's, it's given me a lot to think about, Jeffrey. I'm gonna make a, I'm gonna think about making an ISTP video more seriously now.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, Beautiful. Any other parting thoughts here? Now that I've done mm-hmm. one false ending, uh, should we have a
1: second false ending? Oh goodness gracious! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's. <laughs> uh, parting thoughts. Um, I feel like we were we were pretty thorough with the things that I figured we would talk about and wanted to cover.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, like hearing about your uh, psychology exploits here, <laughs> your escapades yeah. in therapy. Uh, it's been fascinating. Like, I've loved hearing about it. And uh, you have one more year left in the program. Is that right? That's right. Uh, yeah, one more year. I'll be done in May of 2024. Wow. So And is it under like a year now. from there, do you jump right into trying to get a private practice or is there another step?
1: That's possible. That's definitely a valid pathway, but it's not what people normally do. So, um, right after that, I would be like an associate. So I wouldn't be a fully licensed okay. marriage and family therapist. I would need two more years of prac, at least two more years with, um, a supervisor kind of like helping me talk through what's going on and just, you know, Verifying that I'm doing okay that I'm not harming anybody with right. my therapy, but theoretically, I could immediately start a private practice and just like meet with a supervisor independently of that practice oh, wow. most yeah most likely i will I'll stay where I'm doing my internship experience as a therapist and hopefully have a supervisor there and then private practice like you know a couple years down the road Wow. Yeah. we'll
0: have to uh you know bring you on the podcast which i'm sure will stretch out into in perpetuity uh for updates as we as you go along
1: yeah well you know i'm really hoping and excited for the possibility of integrating these typology concepts into therapy uh, i've thought about like completely like rebranding my channel and calling it like type therapy something like that oh, that's just good. Like, trying to yeah trying to integrate all this stuff that I'm learning
0: maybe in- integrating rap into therapy as well
1: <laughs> I've thought about doing like a rap based project just like explaining like here are the different model developers and here's where they were in history and now we have a neat little rap that helps us remember all these basic inf- pieces of information that will be on the final exam
0: <laughs> oh that's really good that's uh, that's yeah. got viral potential
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> There are a lot of good channels, actually, uh, by marriage and family therapists who are watching, you know, ah. trash reality TV, applying what they're learning. And that also seems like there might be something there that I want to tap into.
0: Oh, yeah, that's good. I've Yeah, I get a yeah. lot of those recommended, too, where they're like, what is going on with these people? Yeah. <laughs> well, Jeffrey, thanks so much. We'll call it there. And uh, uh, officially, for the podcast purposes, goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. (laughs)